0: The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree at Utah State University focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industry. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with Evie Mo. VP of design for Cotopaxi. We discuss why she designs in the sports and outdoor industry, her experience at New Balance and Cotopaxi, and what products can make people feel. Welcome back, everyone. This is Chase Anderson, and today I'm joined by Evie Moe, the VP of design at Cotopaxi. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course.
0: Thanks for making the drive, which is a little long. It is a little Um, long. But glad to have you up from, from Salt Lake. Um, we've we've had two of your coworkers here on the podcast before, Corey Williams and Ben Doxie. Yes. So our listeners should know who Cotopaxi is, what the company is, what you you all are about. But from your perspective, would you share a little bit about Cotopaxi and and your experience with the company and and you're relatively new to yeah. the company. But what attracted you to Cotopaxi? So would you mind sharing a little bit about your about the company.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I have been at Cotopaxi since April of last year. So I'm coming up on my one year anniversary. Um, The weekend that I started at Cotopaxi, they actually had their five year anniversary birthday party, um, which I got to be a part of. So the brand is coming up on six years um, of being in business. So we still consider ourselves a startup in the outdoor industry. Um, And really Davis, uh, the founder and CEO right now, um, his mission and his goal was to be able to be in the industry and manufacture, but also do good in the world. And he felt like those two things can coexist. Um, and he wanted to be a source of, of change and a source of, uh, you know, doing something different. Um, he's a lover of the outdoors. So for him, doing something that was related to the outdoor industry um, and travel, he's a big traveler, um, is something that was near and dear to his heart. So that's basically the the origin of the brand um, for me and, you know, what brought me to the brand Um, I'm originally from the West Coast, but I had been living out in Boston for the last eight years. Um, And I felt like, you know, I kind of want to get back closer to home. My family's in in Oregon. Um, I never would have guessed that I would have ended up in Utah, Um, but I would say I, I, I got contacted by a recruiter, Um, I had heard a little bit about the brand like they had showed up in some of my trend work um, But I didn't know a ton about the brand, but they sent me this whole document about the ethos and what they stood for and and the meaning behind the brand and uh, what the role was And when I read that it almost felt like it was like a job description written for me So I was like, okay, I have to check this out and then yeah almost almost a year into living in in Utah and um, I think that story of me and how I ended up in Utah is a good example of you never really know where you may end up and you may never like guess that, you know, there, there are so many opportunities out there that you don't even know about that you you can't always project or anticipate someday in the future. You know, 10, 10 years ago, I never would have said, Chase, I'm gonna live in Utah and I'm gonna work for this, this outdoor startup. Um, but then you end up in this place and it feels right and so you take the leap. But yeah, for me, I believe you never totally know what might make you happy.
0: How do you leave yourself open to those new possibilities, right? Because you were in a comfortable position, I imagine, uh, with new balance. And we'll get into your history there as well. But how do you leave yourself open to those opportunities when they present themselves? It's easy sometimes to push those things away and say, I'm comfortable where I am. Like, how do you open yourself up to those opportunities when they present themselves?
1: Well, for me, you know, everyone is different and I, I'm a little bit more on the like spiritual side where I, I believe in like how I'm feeling and I listen to my gut and I usually have a sense, like I have a gut sense when change is about to happen for me, or I get like a feeling of restlessness. Uh, I, I moved around a lot growing up, and so I'm used to kind of moving and change and being ready for change to happen. Um, so in the instances, you know, I've, I've had uh, four major companies that I've worked for, and in every instance, probably about a year before I made my leap to a new place, I started having this feeling of restlessness or just like you know this is great but I have a feeling like winds of change or something you know I need to learn something new or I'm curious I start to get curious and then that's when I start to open myself up and then get contacted I, I would say over my course of eight years at New Balance you know I got contacted for a lot of different roles throughout the years and when I felt really happy and and really committed and like I still had a lot to learn at that place when I didn't feel restless, I was like, no, I'm not even going to, you know, maybe, maybe I'll talk to you, but really upfront, like I, I'm staying here. But then sometimes you start to get this feeling of like, okay, I feel like I want to kind of poke my head up and look to see what's out there and then kind of start seeing the opportunities. Um, That being said, you know when I made my move before New Balance, I was at another uh, brand called Lucy that was a women's active brand in San Francisco that was owned by VF, that they eventually kind of folded into North Face in 2017. Mm. Uh, But when I was at Lucy, I had no intentions of leaving San Francisco. I started getting recruiting calls from New Balance and I kept telling them no. And then finally, I was like, had a bad day you know you all it takes is like a bad day at work sometimes and you get a call and you're like okay I'll talk to you I talked to them I flew out I met them and I was like I'm never gonna live on the east coast this is never happening I met everyone and loved them and I was like okay this is happening so so I've had different experiences um, but I think it's important to have a sense of of awareness for yourself, and kind of for me, it's like listening to my gut and feeling, you know, trying to be really still and quiet to so be like, does this feel like an opportunity that could be great for me? Can I learn from it? And am I feeling like a sense of peace about making that decision?
0: Right. It it seems easy to like disqualify yourself from opportunities too, mm-hmm. but you know, or or just say, well. I don't want to move to the East Coast without even having gone there, right? Or visited the company or gotten to know the people. And, you know, and I I felt that too, right? It's easy to say, well, I, I don't want to have to go through that or this without, you know, knowing if it's even an opportunity yet. Right. So that's, I think it's important to. Like, be willing to, like, take a couple steps in, yeah. explore opportunities, explore experiences, and then decide, yeah. like, if it really presents itself and you're offered something, yeah. then you can make a decision, right?
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's good to pursue, unless you really, really know that that's not something that you want to pursue. I, I liken it to dating, honestly, and, you know... Um, In my experience, I I just got engaged, so I'm almost almost 40 in my first marriage, so I've dated a lot throughout my years. But, um, yeah, I would say when talking to companies, it feels like that. You're like, okay, well, I don't really know you. I'm just going to get to know you a little bit, and we'll continue to pursue this kind of dating relationship until I figure out either like, yes, I want to make that commitment and move forward with you, or like, no, I think maybe we're not quite right for each other and we can part ways.
0: Yeah, it seems like too often in the outdoor industry or in any industry that people are trying to get into, there's a mentality of, well, they're just evaluating me, and that's what's happening. Oh, when yeah, no. I think you, you can come in and feel a lot more comfortable if you're the one feeling like you're doing the interviewing in a way, right? Yeah. And it should be that two-way, that kind of dating comparison, I think is really accurate.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, what I mean, you've worked at a really big company, um, you know, at, at smaller companies, now at Cotopaxi, which is still a startup, um, you were in senior leadership roles at, at previous companies. Uh, what's been the biggest difference and, and what is your day-to-day now? Um, how would you, how does your day-to-day differ mm-hmm. um, in a senior leadership design role from a big company to a small company? Are there any yeah. major differences?
1: For sure, for sure, yeah. So, um, So at New Balance, My role was uh, design director for apparel, um, and I oversaw all uh, soft goods, accessories, design approval as well that was licensed at that brand. Um, So I was overseeing all of the brand's design aside from footwear, which, um, you know, footwear is... Um, 80% of the business in apparel was uh, targeted to grow up to 20%. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so with that, I would say, you know, my team for design, I had about 20 designers that I was working with at various levels. Um, when I started in my role, I had about 10 designers. And then over the course of about four years, the team grew to 20. So I saw a lot of growth in that time. A lot of what my job was, was <clears throat> the structure for the team. Hiring and kind of setting uh, you know, setting creative direction and vision, and then also what the structure of the team would look like, mentoring the product, the people and the product, and making sure that my vision lined up with where we landed with product and design, bringing it to market. So I would say, probably like eighty to ninety percent of my time was actually in meetings. And so much of what I did was making decisions. For other people i mean if i was I don't, I don't remember what the statistics are of like however many decisions we all make per day right it's a really high number that you don't even realize anymore in that role i knew i i am making hundreds of decisions every day um, about you know whether it's making a decision for how we structure something and with personnel and managing people or making product decisions um, kind of in the early stages of design review process or at the end stage of, okay, is this getting adopted or not? Why? What do we need to do? You know, what do we need to do with that style? Um, So sometimes I felt like, you know, and then you're constantly putting out fires. So you're just a lot of decision making, a lot of time spent in meetings, uh, a lot of time with touch bases. When you have a large team, I had six direct reports that were all like senior managers. Um, So a lot of that time is spent making sure that they're enabled and coached and have direction to do the job that they need to do for the rest of the team. Um, And then how that really differs with CodaPaxi now. um, It's a much smaller team. So something that, you know, before I worked at New Balance, I had worked at Lucy. That was more of a startup size. We had a design team of. Uh, five designers um, and it was much more you know I was doing a lot of hands-on I was a senior designer at the time um, so I had a lot of hands-on design work and I kind of missed that feeling of being a part of the smaller team and when you work uh, in a smaller company, you end up having a lot more variety with what your day-to-day looks like. Um, so that was also part of the reason for me choosing to come to Cotopaxi, was to be a part of that smaller team and feel like you're you're building something, where at New Balance, I had kind of already grown the team to a pretty big size, and I had built something, but um, I was kind of coming towards the end of that feeling of that building. Uh, so with Cotopaxi, I would say my day-to-day I definitely still have a lot of meetings, but it's not anywhere near to, you know, 85 percent of my time spent in meetings. I do a little bit more doing. And I would say, you know, it, it can be challenging at times because with my role I have to be able to kind of you have to fly at like twenty thousand feet, but then you have to come down and you have to be able to jump back and forth really easily. So, um, In my role now, you know, previously I hadn't done any hands-on design work for five years because I had a team and I was the leader to enable that team. Um, Now I do some hands-on design work, so I'll, like, pick a few pieces to focus on that I feel passionate about and actually do some hands-on design work and then also mentor the team, provide the creative direction, but really mentor them through the process. So it can be challenging where you're like, okay, I have to be up here and think about strategy, and future high-level creative. And then I have to kind of come, come down and get super nitty gritty into the details just for the size of the team. Um, but you know, if you enjoy the variety and you enjoy getting your hands dirty and you enjoy, um, that reward, sometimes when, when you're a manager, you don't have the same reward as a designer because you're not, if you're used to creating something, you have to get used to, you know, I may not be creating something that's super tangible myself. I'm creating um, high-level creative direction that inspires other designers to create something that's hands-on. And so you have to, like, understand your value and your worth that's different than maybe you understood it for 10 or 15 years.
0: Right. We've we've had other people who are involved in, like, senior design leadership. And I've asked this question before, but Are you, I guess this will get into like why you design and is it always, has it always been about like physical products? Is that, that what you've been interested in or was it fun for you to design an organization? Like Mm. when you were at New Balance, you know, maybe, you know, there certainly was, um, you know, design strategy involved in, you know, designing products, but you were in a way designing an organization that would help design great products. Mm -hmm. Was was that interesting to you or I guess what, what brought you into design and is it design in general or is it a certain aspect of design? If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, what brought me into design? Um, I've always loved, you know, I I grew up watching a lot of old movies with my mom and I would watch like movies from the thirties, forties and fifties and loved the beauty of the fashion. And that's really what, hooked me. And then I started sewing at a really young age because I wanted to like recreate that. And I always loved the way that like as a child, like playing dress up or I I loved how clothes could make me feel differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to experience that more. And I love this sense of like, I can have an idea and then I can tangibly create it and I can see it come to life. And that is still for me, like one of the most rewarding things about design. Um, and then I'm trying to think of your the other part of your question, please remind me. That's a good question. Is that a I, good no, answer? I think this is great. No, that's that's
0: exactly what I was looking for. Um, but was oh, designing but an organization yeah. like as satisfying as or like make you feel similar things or was it a different feeling?
1: It's a different feeling yeah. for sure. It is rewarding. It's rewarding to feel like you know you get to um, have input and that someone trusts you enough to do that. Like that's a very rewarding thing and I love design and I love feeling creative and I love, so you know, I've done like, um, have you ever heard of the strength finders test where Mm -hmm. you can kind of do those tests to see what your strengths are. So one of my top strengths is ideation. Like I could just talk to you all day about ideas and get so high and buzzed on just talking about ideas. So whether that is like a design idea or an idea of like how we could do something or a process or something, you know, I could get really excited about that, um, so I realized it doesn't always have to equal like an end product to inspire me or get me excited. Um, but there's definitely something tangible, um, and like kind of back to like sometimes how I can relate things so that people understand that maybe aren't in the design world. Uh, like my fiance is in marketing, and trying to explain to him, you know, how I how I feel about what I do with design, and I explained that process that I went through when I was at New Balance where I went from hands-on designing to managing a team was kind of like, I always felt like as a designer and the things I would create were like my children, I would be like, okay, I have this idea. I kind of like make it happen and then it comes to life and then you get to see your product and the most fulfilling thing is seeing someone on the street that you don't know wearing your product. It's like, oh, that's my baby. Like that's my child yeah, that I've like you, created. You
0: chose to buy that thing that yeah. I
1: yeah. Yeah, so rewarding. And the process for me of of managing and having a team where I wasn't hands-on, mm-hmm. I really likened it to feeling like a grandparent, where I wasn't the person kind of creating that thing, but I was helping someone else to create it. And so there was a sense of reward there and a sense of like I got to be a part of it, but I wasn't super hands-on. And then you kind of have your reward becomes how do I inspire and lead and direct and like help propel someone else into a different, you know, you you become uh, a part of something different in a different stage of your career.
0: Right, that sounds, it sounds like a different type of fulfillment, but it's yeah. all grounded in like helping create something that didn't exist before. Totally. Right, um, wh- how, you know, kind of going back, you mentioned you love the, like how products can make people feel. Uh, I'll put you on the spot, how do you feel like, or? What was your thought process when you were designing product and New Balance? What did you want people to feel when they interacted with that product? And then we'll go to Cotopaxi. I'm curious to your thoughts.
1: Yeah. um, I would say, you know, most of my experience has been focused in women's design. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually, uh, you know, other than doing like unisex product, I've never done any hands-on men's design. So I always felt like a stronger personal connection with how I would design when I was at Lucy, and I really I called that my boot camp because I was designing a high amount of styles. It was a fast-paced 11-month calendar, um, and in in that uh, in that company and how we design, I was very much the target consumer. So for me, I could think about like what I'm doing in my workout or what I'm doing in my daily life and how I'm living my life, and I was able to. Um, empathize exactly with how I felt like that consumer would want to wear and what they would feel good in um so you know for some people prefer to design for something that's opposite from what they are because they don't want it to be necessarily like super connected to how they feel about it Mm -hmm. for me a lot of times I was creating things that I wished had existed um and in that process of creating it you know when i knew that i had something that was really good like i've had this phrase that i've talked to the designers about before um that when we create something or we get our first proto and someone else sees it or when you see it or you know when i see something the team has created i should have a feeling of like oh i kind of want to steal that like Mm -hmm. i kind of want to take that home and wear it for the weekend and see how i feel in it there should be this feeling of like Ooh, I think I need that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's not, you can't even describe what that is when you see it, but there's like a glimmer, an instant of like, I really love how beautiful that thing is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, back to like, I would say designing on the women's side, I always, I love designing women's product, especially when it was like either inspiring you to be active or uh, inspiring you to be in the outdoors because Um, I think uh, there's definitely a stronger movement now in the past 10 Mm -hmm. years, but before 10 years ago, there wasn't a lot of acceptance of diversity or, you know, the image of if you're going to go work out and you go to the gym, you already need to be perfect before you go to the gym. And, you know, I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I grew up being an athlete, but also not being perfect. Mm -hmm. And so trying to make people feel beautiful, make people feel comfortable, to pursue whatever they want to pursue, whether that's in the gym or in the outdoors and like providing them with something that inspires them to do that is way more fulfilling to me than, you know, I mean, sometimes you could create something just because it's beautiful mm-hmm. and you put it on and it's beautiful and it makes you feel a certain way. And that's amazing. For me, it felt special and even more meaningful to create something that could inspire them to be active and fulfilled.
0: Right. That's awesome. Um, now, codopaxi. Yeah. Now I imagine there's some some crossover. Yep. But what do you want someone who buys a Cotopaxi product to feel when they're experiencing, you know, any number of Cotopaxi products?
1: Yeah, I think. Um, you know, definitely the idea of feeling active and in the outdoors applies, um, whether that's more of the active market and Cotopaxi. Um, the thing that I think that's really special about Cotopaxi is also obviously the color is a big part of the brand. And so there's this feeling of fun and lightheartedness and, and happiness because so much of the product that we do is really fun and colorful. Um, And then obviously the give back component and the component of doing good. So, you know, if you're being a part, if you believe in a brand and you're a lot of times people are purchasing something, you know, that's more about the why behind the brand rather than the what. But if you can find those two things together that you both love the product and then what the brand is doing um, with the with the profit or what they're doing with their social mission that you feel good about then that's really going above and beyond just buying another jacket.
0: Right. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned previously that, you know, it's, it's really fulfilling and really cool to, to be someone who creates something out of nothing and creating products almost, you know, you, you described products as, as your babies. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what do you remember what one of those first products was that you created that you saw out in the wild?
1: Oh gosh it's like going back a ways I had this I had like a special style when I worked at Lucy I remember it was one of those things that um I didn't see a lot on the market and it was one of the things that I I just really wish that I had and it was real a really simple style it was just a half sip hoodie but it was a longer length and you know, I, let's see, I was probably like 28-ish or so when I was working on that. And some of the, some of the older people um, at the company and on the team didn't understand it and wanted to change it. And I really fought for that style that I was like, I love this style. It's relaxed. It has a really deep zipper. It has the pockets. The fabric is amazing. This is the thing that I want and I wanted the most. And I had to really fight for it that it didn't change too much but I had a strong vision of what I wanted it to be and that style ended up you know making it into the line and then I think it was in the line for like I don't even know maybe eight years eight or nine years that it it survived um in just like recolors or refabrication and that's really like a huge you know a huge thing when you can have a style that stays that long so that style I have seen on so many different people because Mm. it's been out kind of in the wild and I had a lot of friends that would shop the brand and they would like see that hoodie or they knew that it was mine and so many friends that had it in many colorways and family members Um, and I would say that yeah I would say that was one of like the biggest styles that I had worked on that had really like lasting power that I felt really strongly about um, that I was excited to see even after I left. It was in the line for a while.
0: Wow, that's great. That's got to be an awesome feeling knowing that you, you stood your ground and yeah. and it paid off and it was worth it. Um, what is it about the sports and outdoor industries? You've, you've kind of worked in both. I'll kind of lump it all into activity. Yeah. Um, is, was that a conscious decision for you? You wanted to work in, in an industry where activity, sport, outdoor was was a part of that and baked into the DNA. And um, was that a conscious decision for you?
1: Um, Well, so I, you know, mostly grew up in Oregon and went to Oregon State. And most people, if they want to stay in Oregon, they end up having to get a job in active wear, which like through the late 90s, obviously wasn't as big Mm -hmm. as it is today. Um, The funny thing is that I, my first job was with Janssen, which was a swim company, Perry Mm -hmm. Ellis owns Janssen. Um, So that was basically one of the only companies that existed in Portland that wasn't like just active or outdoors yeah. w- between um, Nike, Adidas, and Columbia, um, so that was actually a conscious decision for me was to have something that was still a little bit more connected to the fashion side. Um, so I worked in swim for quite a few years, and then eventually I, I transferred over and worked on the Nike swim team, and um, really enjoyed that part of the process of working with the athletes, working with the swimmers, and understanding the function of it and having that kind of multi-purpose. So that was towards the end of my experience in SWIM, and I enjoyed both. Um, But, you know, even I would say in college, I thought I was going to be like an evening gown wedding dress designer. Mm. Um, I did an internship with a woman that had a retail store as well as made her own line of kind of formal dresses, um, which was a great experience, and I actually learned at the end of it oh, I don't want to do this. This isn't what I want to do. I want to do, you know, kind of work for a bigger company um, and I wanted to stay in Oregon. So that's kind of where where I ended up. Um, but it's, it's sometimes ironic to me that I did end up in the active industry when like coming out of school, you know, I kind of was taking a, a deviation to that. Um, I still love swimwear and someday it would be fun to design it again. Um, but yeah, y- again, back to like, you never kind of know, where you may, may end up.
0: Right. Um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about sustainability and I know that in the outdoor industry, that's a huge, there's a huge push behind that. It's spreading out into other consumer products, um, industries as well. Um, but it's, it's definitely something that the outdoor industry really pushes. And, um, can, can you speak to sustainability and how that influences design at Cotopaxi and and if it influenced design at, at other companies that you're a part of. And and um, I, I think in some brands, maybe it's not something that's that I think of as a consumer. Like I don't necessarily think about sustainability when I think of the big sports companies. Right. Right. Um, but I think about it when I think outdoor. So maybe can you speak a little bit about sustainability from, you know, from the different companies perspectives?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, um When it comes to sustainability, obviously it's been extremely trending for the past five years. Um, But I would say even really on the radar of a lot of major brands for the last 15 to 10 years. Mm. Um, But I think that once a company becomes very established um, in what their business is or what they're comping and what their mission is, even if you carve out portion of sustainability for your business, um, that's a pretty big, you know. If you if you're trying to overhaul like an entire business, that's a pretty big mission to do. Um, but you know, for me, uh, I continue to see in the in the trend work sustainability, um, you know, and it was always a passion of mine. And I was exposed to within the environment of being in a bigger brand, seeing that um, you know, there's a lot of miscalculation with SMS ordering or you end up with a lot of excess waste um, due to like what you initially thought you were going to be making and then what you adopt and seeing kind of Excel spreadsheet charts of, um, you know, what that remnant Waste looked like, um, and wanting to kind of be a part of, like, how can we make this better, or can we, we repurpose it, or can we have a, a new collection that's inspired by using like the excess of of what we have? But I think in a bigger corporation, it can be harder um, with the dedicated resources if you don't have a dedicated resource to that, or if it's not really integral to what the company is. Um, to make that change. And I love, I love that it's a trend, honestly, because it's forced companies to be competitive with their sustainability. So everyone wins when sustainability becomes a mm-hmm. trend. Um, but it is special to be a part of a smaller brand that that's very much a part of who they are from the get-go. You know, We have Annie that's amazing on our team. She's our director of impact. And for the size of the business and the size of the company that we are, to have a director of impact, is really special and unique, and I recognize that, you know, when when I came in for my interviews. Um, and then coming into Cotopaxi, where so much of what they were doing, and it, everyone, you know, it's not just like a company goal. Everyone that's working there on the product team is personally passionate about Remnant and figuring it out. It's not an easy process. It's not something that most people are used to doing and Cotopaxi's done a great job of figuring that out and kind of pushing through Um, and we continue to do that as we want to grow the collection Um, but but yeah I think that it's special that everyone that works on the team is passionate about it and because it's not an easy thing to do and you have to have a little bit of Perseverance and re- resourcefulness. Um, ben, that was here, does a lot of the material sourcing when it comes to like what we end up using for a remnant, and he's so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So you have to have that like personal drive, I think, to be able to do something that's somewhat revolutionary. That you know, not all of the mills or all of the factories are fully ready and up and running to do it.
0: Right. It seems interesting. You you really have to be that person that you, you don't settle and you're willing to go to the factory, understand how they operate and how they run and be patient enough and persistent enough to help them kind of restructure how they do things or, um, which, yeah. which the easier thing to do is just accept, oh, well, they said no, right. So yeah. we can't do it. It's not an option. Yeah. Um, then that's, that's something that I've always respected about the brand, um, is that willingness to find new solutions. Yeah. Um, um, kind of, you know, wrapping up here, I know we're, we're a little short on time, but um, how the the industry? Sometimes I think when I go to large trade shows, I think, okay, well, all these products look the same to me, right? <laughs> um, in a way, and some of them you could probably take the names off the, you know, off these jackets, and and you wouldn't know which brand had made them. And in some ways, it seems like the most sustainable thing would be, you know, having fewer of these brands, right? And right. um, how do you how do you stand out? in the products that you create and how do you try to make products that really matter and are really solving a problem or are different? Or how do you make products that you feel good about creating, knowing that they're going to live on and people are going to use them and, and it's not just going to go out of style. And I know that's a huge challenge with fashion in general, right? Mm -hmm. It's staying on trend, but um, how do you make product that matters?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that the remnant piece is our most special point of differentiation. Um, that if we don't use that fabric or someone else doesn't use it, um, in some cases either for tax purposes or for inventory storage, it's getting destroyed in one way or another. Um, So that's a really special thing to say, like, this was going to be a waste in some way and we're going to repurpose it. Um, There will always be a drive and a need for people to want something new or get into a new activity and need a product to facilitate that. So I think that there will always be a level of demand there. Um, I really appreciate at Cotopaxi that when it comes to like our product line management and uh, Karen, my boss is the chief merchandising officer, she's so thoughtful about how many new styles we are designing or putting into the line. And we really look at every piece and say, do we really need that? You know, we we do, um, over-design and over-develop to a percentage because you don't fully know, you know, you may have an idea and then once it's executed, you don't love it as much. You're like, okay, that doesn't feel as strong as it did in concept um, and then other things that might surprise you that you're like well let's try this idea and then you get the proto back and it's incredible and it's amazing and then you realize you have to do that so we have a little bit of an over development ratio that we do um, but we're still very thoughtful on what our style and our SKU count looks like um, to not you know really explode into the market with too many styles and then with what we're creating we're trying to make sure that we consolidate the line and say like, okay, if you have two pants, do you really need both pants? Can we just have the one? Do we really need to make that? Um, and then, you know, thoughtful when it comes to forecasting and inventory and focusing on that aspect so that you're not creating so much that it's really like over over demand. Um, and then I think when it comes to like how we design something to think about how is it special or unique, you know, we try to think about our consumer and whether that's the the person that's going on an adventure travel trip or just being in the outdoors and thinking about when they're doing this activity like what's what's something special that i could make that doesn't exist in the market what's like some little detail or a piece of innovation or a material that could be more comfortable that could make them really happy that when they have that piece they're like oh wow I didn't even know how much I would love that piece or how much I would use it. And the goal is really, you know, for me, it's to create those pieces that you would have for a long time Mm -hmm. back to sustainability, like something that maybe it's somewhat trend influenced, but it's also just like unique and classic enough that it could last you for a while, um, that it doesn't feel too out of place. um, And then hopefully that it wears really well and it never breaks down on you. And if it does, that we can hopefully repair it for you. Um, so that you can have that piece for a long time and it can be one of those really well-loved items.
0: Right. Oh, that's great. Um, And it shows in in the product line, I feel like. Um, You can definitely see um, the care and attention and thoughtfulness that goes into everything that Cotopaxi does. Um, We love having it in our own backyard in Salt Lake. Love that that you're so close and that you're willing to come up and and talk with us. Um, How do people stay in touch with the brand? I'm assuming, you know, everywhere on social media, yep. codepaxi.com, um,
1: Instagram okay. website
0: with, with yeah. you. If people want to stay in touch with you, um, how's, how's the best way to do that? LinkedIn. Okay. LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, thanks again for taking the time. This has been really great. Uh, it's great to have you here and, and I learned a lot and I know our listeners will as well. So thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on highlanderbag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cash Valley.